Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. Who we have today is Russell Nolte, who's a best-selling author, a publisher, a speaker, and a business owner for creatives. He's focused on creatives through his company, The Complete Creative, which has a podcast as well as a teaching academy focused on creatives. We'll find out all about Russell, but before we do that, let's welcome him. Welcome, Russell. Hello. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I'm a USA Today bestselling author. I also run a publishing company called uh, Wannabe Press, which publishes comics and novels. And then I run a training academy and marketing company uh, for creatives called The Complete Creative. Awesome. So how did you end up doing all this? Like, did you plan it out or what were you doing before this? Uh, so I always knew I wanted to do something creative. Uh, I've run several companies before. I've run a couple of uh, production companies. I've directed movies, uh, television shows. I've uh, shot uh, commercials and uh, animation and uh, uh, and uh, all sorts of stuff uh, before I started really publishing books and comics. Uh, right before I started my publishing company, though, uh, I... Had a, I was a sales manager at a Sprint dealership, and before that, I had uh, failed at three companies. Uh, uh, I just could not get them up and working and operational. And then I learned I uh, pretty much went through boot camp at, uh, at for, for sales through a couple of companies. So I worked at Affleck. I worked at a uh, a a, a uh, marketing company that sold uh, advertising to car dealerships. And then finally at Sprint, working in consumer uh, electronics. And that one really helped because it was B2C and my company is B2C. We're direct to consumer. So uh, uh, the what what I'm doing now, a lot of it was influenced by the fact that I was selling consumer products. So you've been there, done that, had your failures as well before you got to where you are today. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was five. Uh, this is my fifth company that I finally, that it finally hit with. So let's talk about the podcast as well as your teaching academy. What do you cover and who do you target with those? Sure. So uh, I, uh, on the Complete Creative Podcast, I interview creatives about how they build and uh, sustain their creative business. Every once in a while, I'll do a training uh, episode where it will just be me talking about something or maybe a live uh, training that I've done previously when I used to do a lot more live trainings. Uh, but generally, it's uh, me and a guest talking about how they built and sustained their creative career. And that is basically what the entire site is for. It's uh, The tagline is make the best work of your life and share it with the world. So I believe that there are five steps to building a successful creative career. The first is how to make something great. You can't, uh, you can't sell something that's not great. That's just a barrier to entry right now. So the first step is sort of developing your craft and, and, uh, and learning how to make something that is saleable, uh, and not just saleable, but, uh, but, but, but great in comparison to everything else that's on the market. Uh, second would be learning the fundamentals of sales and, funnels and generally like just what all of that stuff is. 
Uh, and then you have to build an audience, uh, uh, sell at live events, which will come back eventually, obviously, but also live events like, uh, like we do live speaking events online right now. So virtual conferences and such or live webinars. So that also, uh, would count. And then also launching products successfully. So uh, my company is devoted to those sort of pillars of uh, teaching you how to run your, your, your art career like a business, how to build an audience for it, and then how to design products for those people, and then how to sell it to them. That's pretty awesome. So let me ask you a question. You know, you talked about aiming at the creatives, and you know, you when you talk through your particular career, your past, there's been a lot of creative things that you have done. And then when you laid out what you just said, there's the creative side of things, and there's also the tactical side of things, or the more technical side of things. How do, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with it, right? Either the creative side is their strong point, or the technical side is their strong point, and the other side is generally a weak point. How do you make sure that you come across well enough, or or you do well enough in all the areas in order to be a successful business? Well, uh, the old saying is you have to be good at two things to be successful in business, the thing that you do and marketing. So I, uh, I believe that. I believe that creative marketing is a little bit different than pain point marketing. So there's really two kinds of things that you're selling, uh, even as a creative. So even if you're making courses or doing nonfiction books, the first is pain point selling. That's, uh, you know, we're going through a kind of uh, crisis right now. So like talking about, uh, you know, trying to help people through a crisis, uh, uh, building their 401k, losing weight, uh, things that you can really easily pinpoint and say, Hey, you're, you have this problem and now, uh, we're going to solve it. You buy this book, you buy this course, you listen to this podcast and we're going to solve it. I do pain point selling on the complete creative. That's, I'm, I'm aiming at creatives who want to build a better business. Uh, it's, I, t I do talk to a lot of, to some people who are at the beginning of their careers, but generally these are mid, mid career people who have created some things and are just not, uh, making the sales that they want to right now. Uh, so that's pain point selling, but then there's also emotional resonance selling, which is, uh, what we do with fiction or with art or with, um, uh, uh, uh with other things that are not solving an immediate problem. Uh, so it might be that fifth car, whatever the, the emotional resonance selling is, what you're trying to do there is not fill a need, but fill a want. And, and that is not about hitting the pain point. That is about uh, hitting the emotion that uh, and getting them to connect with you and with the product to make them, it's sort of like the feel good energy, the dopamine rush that you get by, uh, by, 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 by getting this particular product. And I mean, all pain point selling has a little bit of emotional selling in it, but all emotional resonance selling does not have pain point selling in it. So, uh, you have to know first what kind of selling you're going to do and what kind of marketing you're going to do. Uh, it's a lot harder to do emotional resonance selling because especially at times when people are cutting things, uh, they are cutting the, uh, the, uh, extravagances in their life. And then they're trying to button up on the, uh, the pain points. So, 
they are trying to learn how to build a better business now. They're trying to learn how to build an audience. They're trying to learn how to start their business. So there's all these things that people are trying to do when they are uh, when when their job gets pulled out from under them or when when something bad happens. Uh, whereas uh, emotional resonance selling is really um, it's really uh, quite hard uh, because you are making a connection with the audience that goes beyond how you can help them. You're not helping them feed themselves. You're helping them feed their soul. So uh, step one is always uh, make something great. So uh, a lot of people get stuck in this in this place and they can't move out of it uh, either because they're not uh, don't have intentional focused growth. Or because they, uh, they, 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 they just are very early in their career, or uh, because they're scared to move on and sell stuff. But uh, the first step really is developing your craft, honing your voice, whether that's your art voice or your, um, or your, uh, or your uh, writing voice, or your sculpture voice, or your rug making voice, or whatever it is. Uh, you are going to, uh, you're going to have to become really, really good at that part. And a lot of people that I talk to don't, they don't spend it, they, they try to get out of that part too early. And the real, the key to that first part is uh, having a safe space to fail, um, being able to do, to rapidly prototype a lot of things that want uh, uh, very quickly, to be able to try a lot of different things. And overall, just uh, being able to develop your craft in a safe space. This is why colleges are great, right? Because uh, they kind of give you a safe space to fail. They give you mentors. They give you all of that stuff. If you don't have a college, then you, know, you kind of have to develop that network on, on, on your own. But eventually, you'll get to a place where you kind of have a voice. You know what you want to do. You know what you want to sell. You know what path you're going to take, uh, at least at the beginning. And that is when you move into step two, which is like really uh, learning uh, all about the business stuff. I mean, obviously, there's a place for the business stuff beforehand. You know, uh, you can you can sort of uh, build a mailing list or build your website or like uh, build uh, start building a Facebook page or whatever you want. But it's really dangerous to start really investing in uh, the marketing part of it before you know what you want to sell. Which, when you know what you want to sell or what products you want to make, then you can really dive uh, dive deep and learn how to market to those kinds of people. But what you don't want to do is build an audience full of the wrong people. Um, a great example of this in my own life is my Twitter account. My Twitter account has about 27,000 people on it that I built all wrong. Uh, uh, and so while there's a lot of people, uh, none of them really resonate. None of them really respond or reply to me when I post anything. So uh, it's pretty much a dead account. Uh, so I would have done well to take my own advice and stay small until I was really ready to grow and uh, supercharge my career uh, to the next level when I knew what I wanted to sell. You know, for someone who's starting out, what are your recommendations in terms of Finding their audience, building their audience, and building their mailing lists. Sure. So uh, most people are way too concerned with the technical part of this, it's like what what platform they should use or what uh, what devices they should use. 
uh, I keep it pretty simple. You know, I still, uh, I still have a, uh, 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 I use three different systems for my mailing list. It's pretty complicated, but uh, I use MailChimp still to, to, to auto, as, 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 as my way to collect emails for the most part, because it connects to everything. So MailChimp until you get to 2000 people is pretty effective and they keep adding new stuff every day. Um, uh, until you get to 2000 people on your mailing list, you really, then you should definitely move away from MailChimp. It is very expensive. Uh, but for the most part, uh, keep it simple. Uh, use MailChimp. Plan on sending a, uh, a single email every week, one email a week. Uh, and then it becomes about finding your audience. And so, uh, the easiest way to do this is, uh, if you're not selling anything yet, is to go and find a bunch of information using Buzzsumo or joining Facebook groups or meme groups or whatever that are very targeted to your fan base uh, that you're trying to sell into. If you don't know what fan base you're trying to sell into, uh, it's a good uh, it, it's a good idea that you probably like need to work more on your craft until you have more of a voice. So. But assuming you kind of know who your influences are and who you're trying to emulate and 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 and, uh, and, and model, then uh, then uh, you're you can go in and start finding information and start sharing that on your page. Um, all of us have some people who are sort of third degree connections that uh, for some reason uh, they respond a lot to what you're talking about, even though you don't um, you don't talk to them a lot. So this might be a high school friend who you haven't talked to in, in years or uh, someone who you used to work with at your first job, but they just keep responding and replying to the things that you're talking about that are related to what you want to make. Not necessarily your work, uh, but but your work combined with the other things that you're posting kind of in the same realm as your work. And that is when you can go and do uh, start interviewing some of these people uh, I like to do 10 minimum, uh, but start with one. And you're really trying to figure out sort of like what they grok to and what their favorite, what their favorite movies are and TV shows and hobbies and all of that sort of stuff, uh, that, uh, that you can use to sort of build out who your customer profile is. And I don't know if you can see behind me, but, uh, you can create an, an anthropomorphized avatar like RB, Melissa the wannabe. Uh, it doesn't have to be an actual real human, but you're trying to get sort of the spirit of your ideal customer. Uh, and you can then take a lot of the things that they tell you and plug it into Facebook audience insights. Uh, it's uh, in the business.facebook.com. You don't have to run ads, but if you create a business profile, you can, uh, you can look inside and see post uh, and, and, and look at some of those uh, insights that Facebook gives you and, what they'll do is you post in a business interest and then they will tell you other places that uh, other people, places, things, pages that people that like that page very much like. And you can then work to build out more and more and more of that sort of information. And then uh, as you're doing that, uh, you are interviewing the original people who you're talking to and trying to find a product that works for them. And then... Uh, it could be, uh, it, you know, it could be a book. It could be a comic book. It could be, uh, a rug, whatever the thing is that you want to develop for them. But you're, you want to test small. So you want to test stuff and then like put it on a website and see if people actually buy it. If they buy it and you can become profitable with that sort of thing, that's when you can really scale 
join these other Facebook groups, start bringing more and more people in, and then you're going to take the profit from that uh, that you're getting from uh, the sale of the thing. And that's how you use, that's how you get marketing money to scale the rest of your creative business. That's pretty awesome. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was live courses versus today. Now, I think we're kind of moving towards virtual conferences and such. What's your take on that? You know, for someone to be, is, is it the same parameters that you need to be successful with live versus virtual? And should people be concerned? Uh, so live is really, so the, the thing with live is people make a commitment, monetary commitment and time commitment to come to your show and then they are spending their time at your show. So you have to do a, a lot less work to retain somebody who was in a live performance uh, at, at a live show or a live convention or a networking event. They've already made the commitment and usually it's a pretty big commitment, even if it's just driving across town. They're making that they're they're leaving their house and they're coming to where you are. So they already see the value in it. Uh, with a virtual convention, it's a lot different. You have to continue. There's there's almost no barrier to entry. All you have to do is, uh, especially if it's sort of a free virtual event, all you have to do is like sign up and then sit at your computer and watch. There's almost no uh, a friction. There's almost no barrier to entry there. Now, yes, if you create a uh, if you create like a, a, a payment portal for that becomes a little bit different because now they're making a commitment. Uh, but even then they don't necessarily have to show live because almost everything is recorded and they can watch it at their leisure later with a live event. They have to kind of be live. Uh, so one of the things you really have to be conscious of in live events is that you, uh, you, you have to continually get their buy-in to remain. So you have to do things to keep their interest so that they're not drifting away to another website because they could have seven tabs open. They could be listening to it, uh, to it while they're walking or doing other stuff. That's not how a live event works. So the biggest difference is this idea that, you know, you can be doing 20 other things while you're, while you're doing this, uh, this webinar or doing this other thing that's, uh, that's either free or virtual. And you could have multiple things open and multiple things to divert your attention. Uh, I prefer, uh, actually tomorrow, uh, I'm running my second virtual convention. I ran one at wanacon.com. It was live. So people could interact live with the people who were on the call and ask questions and, 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 and engage right then and there. It was something that they could, they had to continue to be engaged because that was, where they were going to ask questions live. Yes, they could listen to a recording later, and you can still do that at wanacon.com or onlinewritersconference.com for the one that we're doing uh, this weekend uh, as we're recording. Uh, and But you can't ask questions live. There's not that ability to interact live. And the thing that uh, really separates live from virtual is that interaction that uh, and that ability to connect and ask questions with people. So. As you're preparing a virtual conference, uh, that is what I, I would I would really uh, really uh, get you to to think about how can I make this conference uh, as engaging as possible for the people that are attending, so that they don't go and do a dozen other things. Sure. Could you talk a little bit about your books that you author? 
sure. So I do two kinds of books. The first is fiction, and the second is nonfiction. So for nonfiction, I uh, I write a lot about creative uh, and how to build a creative career. So I have two books, How to Build Your Creative Career and How to Become a Successful Author. They both follow those pillars that we talked about before, and they are great books. Uh, they are surveys. So I read hundreds of books, interviewed hundreds of creatives, and plus my own experience. And I sort of built a framework for which you can either build your career or become a successful author by following the steps. And I'm very, I'm very, uh, blessed that, uh, the, uh, the people that read it tell me that even if they're successful authors, they learn quite a bit. So it is a lot of information, but it is sort of a survey of everything you would need to know. And I like to think that it's pretty entertaining. I'm a pretty entertaining fellow. And, uh, and, uh, so the books aren't very, aren't really dry. Uh, they're kind of like how we're talking now, quite conversational. And then on the fiction side, uh, that's where I do most of my work. So my big things are mythology and monsters. So if you like, mythology, you like monsters, uh, I am the guy for you, especially if you like Greek, Roman, Judeo-Christian, or uh, Norse, or Egyptian uh, uh, gods and monsters. That's sort of my specialty uh, in descending order of what I of, of what I specialize in, Greek, Roman, Judeo-Christian, then Norse, then Egyptian uh, at the bottom. Uh, and uh, my books are very much about destiny and fate, and regular humans Taking their destiny in their hands to uh, fight back about uh, against the fate that uh, the gods have given them. So the uh, titular book, the first book uh, in the series of the Gods vs. Chronicles, which is my big series, is about a girl who gets sick of living during the apocalypse. She sets out to hell to kill the devil. Uh, and then there are uh, twelve stories in that universe across four collections. Uh, two of them have been become graphic novels. So the Katrina hates, uh, the dead is that first story that I talked about. It's also, it's called In Demons Followed Behind Her as the, um, uh, uh, in, in novel form. And then there's Pixie Dust. Pixie Dust is about a pixie went back from the dead to seek revenge on the king that killed her. Both books happen, uh, in the same timeline and all the books happen across a 13,000 year timeline between, uh, Pixie Dust and 10,000 years after the Katrina book. Uh, but mo- and most of them, I have some other books, dystopian and alien invasion and, uh, and contemporary and mystery. Uh, but the big thing that I'm known for is mythology and monsters. So where do people find you? Uh, so there's a couple of things. Again, I like to break, I like to break it down for readers and writers. So if you are a writer or other creative, then thecompletecreative.com has my podcast archives, epic blog posts free courses, paid courses, and a whole lot more. Um, uh, and my most popular course is called Build a Rabid Fan Base. Uh, that is not available uh, at all times. Uh, so we only open it one to two times a year. But uh, you can watch our 20-minute webinar at thecompletecreative.com forward slash audience and then get on the wait list for when that opens. Uh, if you're a reader, uh, then uh, especially if you like mythology and monsters, comics and novels, then Go to russellnolte.com, sign up for our mailing list, and you get a couple of free comics, a couple of other stories, uh, the first chapter of uh, How to Build Your Creative Career, and a whole lot more. So depending on whether you're a reader or a creative, uh, depends on sort of where or where I usually recommend people going. But um, yeah, and then the podcast archives for The Complete Creative are also on thecompletecreative.com.
That's pretty awesome. Thank you so much, Russell. This has been very entertaining and very educational as well, I'm sure, for the listeners. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, please. <sighs> All right. So your self-worth is not determined by your success or failure. You are not a person who is a failure or a success. You are a person who succeeds or fails in a specific thing. If you were a person who got into a car accident or got bitten by a dog, you wouldn't be called, you, you wouldn't say, I'm, I'm such a, 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 a dog meat or whatever else you're, you're, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put your entire identity behind that. But we have a tendency to put our entire, entire identity behind one thing. And the truth is that we are much more than, uh, than one thing. We are many, many, many things. And your self-worth is intrinsic to you being born. It is not, uh, it is not, uh, determined by how much you succeed or fail. Thank you so much, Russell. I think that's been enlightening. I'm sure the listeners will be in touch. Thank you so much. I hope to be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, I hope you liked that episode. Please do make sure to subscribe to Plan B Success Podcast so that you can get alerts about these episodes coming out three times a week. You get to hear an inspiring interview and some inspiring talk that will move the needle for you on your way to success. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.